This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's going on, everybody? This is a bonus edition of Catfish on Ice, episode 191. We're going to keep this thing rolling here. we got a lot of questions about the newcomers on the Nashville Predators roster, including the big one, Ryan O'Reilly, and of course, Luke Shin. So what better time to bring on a Maple Leafs writer and cover of the team? That is Peter Barcini of... Sticks in the Six podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network family. What's going on, Peter? Doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, it was uh, really, really ex- exciting, but kind of disappointing as well to see O'Reilly and Shengo, but they're going to mm. a great market in Nashville. That is definitely for sure, and I'm looking forward to talking uh, about them with you. Well, well, man, I cannot wait to ask you what we're in for here with these two locker room leaders. That's all I see is locker room leaders. I know a ton about Ryan O'Reilly. He played in the Central Division for the Blues all those years and was just a terrorized the National Predators in the rest of the Central Division when the when the Blues finally broke their Stanley Cup drought. And then Luke Shin is a very well-respected journeyman around the league, so we want to learn about him as well. And, um, of course, Peter, I want to start this off, first of all, by asking you, you had the privilege to cover the NHL draft just recently down in Nashville and uh, my hometown, the town I love. I do live down here in Florida now, but Nashville is always going to be home and always going to love it. So I want to ask about your experience down in Nashville covering the draft. Oh man, uh, where do I begin? Uh, it, it was, it was really, really fun. It was definitely a whirlwind because, you know, um, obviously it, it was kind of funny because as soon as I got, I got on my flight, I went down there. As soon as I got off, all of a sudden the Pierre-Luc Dubois news broke. And it was just like, as soon as that, that's, that was the first thing when I got into Nashville, you know, NHL news, nonstop, nonstop. But overall, like the city was fantastic. I mean, um, you know, the, the nightlife, the concerts, the shows, it, it's buzzing nonstop. And I said that, um, basically, um, recollecting everything that i've remember from nashville it's always buzzing nonstop until three o'clock in the morning you know you hear the music you hear the bar life every uh, everything is just fantastic and even the city itself too like um er like everything is in close proximity you know the country music hall of fame uh the titans uh tennessee titans stadium is just across the bridge over there i got to see that a bit obviously no football going on but you know the to get to get in the sites was just absolutely amazing and to cover the draft itself for the hockey writers was absolutely phenomenal and it's a i i was in montreal last year i was in nashville this year so i'm hoping that next year would be a three-peat wherever uh, the location may be, but yeah, De- Nashville is definitely one of the best places that I've been to. That's for sure. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad Nashville was a good host as they usually are. And, and I was down there as well. I wasn't on press row covering it, but I was there in, in person and mm-hmm. uh, de- definitely was awesome to see all the different uh, teams represented. I saw fans 
from all across the NHL landscape. That's always one of the most fun things about going to a draft is seeing all the different fans um, representing their their team sweaters. So that was cool. Um, and, and there was so much buzz around this draft in particular, not just because of Connor Bedard, but just because of the draft class in general had so much top mm-hmm. five talent in it. We, we saw players going way outside the top 10 that should be top five talent. There wasn't a consensus on any of these mock drafts. Did you get a sense of how exciting that was on the floor covering it? Not just for the Leafs, just, but, but just in general. Yeah, it, it, as soon as the draft got closer, there was a lot of unpredictability considering what was going to happen with Chicago. I mean, Connor Bedard was going number one overall. Like, um, personally, like a, a lot of my rankings and a lot of everybody else, Anna Fantilli was the consensus number two. Leo Carlson was mm-hmm. not necessarily the consensus, but a lot of them had him third or within that three to five range. And I thought that, you know, Anaheim Ducks, a lot, of, a lot was going to write on what was going to happen with them. And there was a lot of talk on the draft floor that, the Ducks were going for Leo Carlson right then and there, as opposed to Adam Fantilli, which, I mean, is a bit of a shock considering how much uh, upside in offensive awareness and how much of a physical game that Fantilli plays. But mm-hmm. it made sense for the Ducks to go after Leo Carlson. It, it was really, it, it really was a difficult decision. Do you want sort of a two-way game aspect that Carlson already has developed? or the high-end skill that Fantilli had. Uh, there was a, maybe a bit of uncertainty as well if he was going to stay with the team or head back to college. We didn't know that. But yeah, after that, it was just, you know, a little bit more of a shock after that. You know, Reinbacher going to Montreal. Uh, Mitchkov, we kind of got a sense that he would fall either to the Flyers or Washington Capitals. We didn't think he would fall far farther then. Oliver mm-hmm. Moore, I thought, was a player that should be within the top 15. He fell close to the top 20 uh, again, Chicago basically with a steal right there. Easton Cowan jumping in for the Maple Leafs. Um, David Edstrom, he, there was a sense that he was probably going to go in the first round, but still a bit of a shock as well, considering some of the names that were available as well. But yeah, throughout that whole entire draft class in the first round too. I mean, it was deep for a reason because you had a lot of first round talent going into the second yes. round, second round talent going into first. So um Again, like you said, it, it speaks to volumes of how deep of a class this year was because yeah, I, I started to get a little bit of a sense of where I think players may go. That wasn't the case at all, and I'm pretty sure it was so hard. Even for the biggest experts, it was so hard to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the GMs knew exactly how it was going to unfold. That's how exciting this draft was. I mean, Matt v. Mitchkov was was the one that I felt like was the wild card that would shake things up a little bit. But then Montreal takes uh, Reinbacher, like you said, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of a surprise. And, um, of course, you're on a Predators podcast here. And, again, welcome, uh, Peter, of the Sticks on the Six podcast, uh, part of our Hockey Podcast Network family, and we're happy to have you here. We're about to get into Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen, who played for the Maple Leafs this past season. And the Predators, of course, picked them up in free agency. A little bit out of nowhere, I don't think anyone expected Ryan O'Reilly to go to the Predators of all teams. But before we get into that, I want to round out a little bit of this draft segment reflecting on it. Since you do cover the draft, Peter, and you're into, you know a lot about these prospects, how do you feel about the Predators and their number 15 pick of Matthew Wood? Um, yeah, I thought it was a great pick. I mean, Wood okay. definitely solidified himself as a potential top 15 prospect. He really improved his draft stock at that U18 tournament where – you know, he led Team Canada with, or uh, I believe he led with Team Canada or was second, uh, I believe, uh, Macklin Celebrini 
was first in team scoring, but Matthew Wood was definitely in the top three in production for Team Canada there. And you got a sense of where his offensive game was at, his shot, his ability to get into the open ice. Um, he plays with a bit of, you know, he, he has a great sense of where to be on the ice. That That is the one thing that stands out uh, the most. His wrist shot is just absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. A lot of knock on his skating, which, you know, is always something big, but always something that players can improve on, especially at that young of age. But the way that he was still able to move and still get into the open ice and, you know, work give and goes, he has that mindset and awareness of where to be. And that was a really good pickup by the Predators because, you know, they've got a relatively good prospect pool in the makings right now. Obviously, Luca Labanchelisa is making the jump up. You have Joaquin Camo, who fell uh, at the 2022 draft of them, and he's a very great sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Fedor Svechkov, uh, Zachary LaRue, who plays with that edge. Uh, Igor Afanasyev mm-hmm. is looking like a good late-round selection. Um, you know, the, Jack Matier on the fence. So you got, and even Luke Prokop as well. You got a good balance throughout the whole entire lineup of, you know, high-end skilled, smart two-way players. But at the same time, you got a really good uh, finisher and goal scorer in Matthew Wood right there. Nice. All right. Love it. All right. Let's move along here. Let's move past the NHL draft. As we've got uh, Peter Barracchini of the Sticks on the Six podcast covers the Maple Leafs. So we've got to ask you, I cannot wait to ask you this because um, <laughs> I know it's hard for you and I'm sorry that I'm put, putting you through this. But um, Maple Leafs fans are going to be interested in this and definitely Predators fans for our, our podcast are going to be really interested right now. And uh, the Ryan O'Reilly signing, okay? So I'm seeing this, I want to, and I'm sure you've already seen this, Peter, but I'm seeing some rumblings here that Ryan O'Reilly could not handle the pressure or didn't want to have to deal with the pressure that obviously comes with playing in the Toronto Maple Leafs market. I mean, it is like the equivalent of playing for the New York Yankees in yeah. baseball. I mean, it is the mecca of hockey, and there is insane pressure that's put against any top player that plays in that market. So I'm seeing there's been TSN is I'm reading this article that apparently TSN, Brian Hayes and Frankie Corrado had some interesting comments here. Maybe they were speculating, but they say speaking with someone close to his camp, it wasn't overly comfortable him being a Maple Leaf. I don't think that's his DNA. That's first of all, tell us Peter, what are we getting in a Ryan O'Reilly? I know we, Predators fans have seen him play for the St. Louis Blues, so we know who he is. We know he's a winner. We know he's a leader, but former Conn Smythe winner. But tell us the overall feeling about losing a player like that from the Maple Leafs camp, and just how do you feel about those pretty pretty revealing comments there from TSN about how maybe he just could not handle the pressure of playing Toronto, playing in Toronto. Yeah, I'm going to answer the second part first uh, because not everyone is cut off for the Toronto market. We've seen players come and go. We see, we've even heard players even in the past, like even say that, you know, Toronto is very cutthroat. You know, they're very, very critical of every little thing that you do. And we see it time and time again with everything that happens. Uh, if a player doesn't like meet expectations, but Ryan O'Reilly met expectations very well coming in, being a middle six um, centerman, second, third line. He, he, he was coming in to play a role that uh, the Maple Leafs needed him to, whether it was on the second line or the third line, he did his job. And, you know, I, I, I felt optimistic that maybe he would resign because he had that comment during the 
um, after he got traded, where there was that interaction with his dad, where it's just like, you know, what if I'm able to win this or bring a Stanley Cup to Toronto? How great would that be? And obviously, that would be a great feeling. So his mindset was there, and he wanted to do the best that he can to help this team succeed. And lo and behold, he was a big factor in that Tampa Lightning, Tampa Bay Lightning series to get the Maple Leafs set to actually win a round. And yeah. it was. I I think that, you know, some players just aren't cut out for it. And maybe he started to feel a little bit of a pressure because maybe he felt that he wanted to come in and do the best that he can. And he did, but maybe the goal wasn't there and it just fell short. And maybe something clicked afterwards because it wasn't about money. It wasn't about term because the Maple Leafs are offering the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if it was him not being suited for the limelight, it's totally fine. I totally get that. You know, we want the player to be happy in a mental state and a a overall state as well with their well-being. And if the Preds are a perfect fit for them, that's great because, like you said, they're getting a really great leader, strong presence, vocal presence on and off the ice. Um, A guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, you've seen it time and time again, what he did with the Blues um, during that season where – Outside of a playoff spot, I'm pretty sure he was one of the vocal leaders on that team to help get them in gear and help win the Stanley Cup right then and there because of, you know, 23 points in 26 games. That definitely is um, constantly worthy. But, yeah, I I, I think it's just – he needs to be happy. Like, the player wants to be happy. They pick the destination first and foremost, and – I'm I'm really excited to see what he could do for the Preds because he was definitely a player that came in, made a significant impact on the team for the Maple Leafs. And I'm, I, I don't think the Predators are – see, it's weird because they're in that weird stage where they feel like they're a playoff contender. It's so weird. Seasons. I don't even know how to make sense of it, man. Yeah. I really don't. It, so like no they're on the teeter of like playoffs, but also on the verge of missing out on the playoffs. But if you need someone to get this team in gear, Ryan O'Reilly is definitely that guy to help motivate a young group going forward. Well, also, I, I love to hear that. And also, there there's all these rumblings going around. It's pretty much the writing on the wall here in Nashville with Barry Trotz taking over as the new general manager that um, – this is really kind of damning on Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson as not great culture guys, Mm -hmm. because I'm not saying for sure that that's what it is, but it seems to be that way that the predators would go through all this trouble to buy out Matt Duchesne, which in the, it's going to hit them hard on against the cap space starting next season. So you go through all this trouble to take out a 43 goal goal scorer from one year removed to go out and get a Ryan O'Reilly. Initially, when I saw the day before free agency that Matthew Shane was bought out, I thought this was a clear um, white flag from Trotz that he's committed to maybe not being that great for a couple seasons and letting these young kids play and get their growing pains out of the way. But then they go out and get that short-term cap space to get a Ryan O'Reilly for four and a half million. Do you think that's a pretty good – uh, AAV for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly from the Predators standpoint, since they did have the money to spend. Yeah. Considering they had the cap space, that definitely is, you know, good value for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, obviously two way center that could probably at least put up still 50 points right now. That to me is good mm-hmm. value right then and there. 
Um, obviously, he's getting up there in age. He wasn't yeah. uh, the quickest skater as we've seen uh, from my time with the Maple Leafs as well, or even watching him with the Sabres and even um, with the St. Louis Blues as well. He's not that quick, but he makes up for that with his smarts and his awareness. So the fact that they had the the room to bring him in and be that vocal presence and be that leader on the ice, I think it's, I think it's telling of the direction that Trotz wants to go because – you know, it's been a while since he's been behind the Predators bench because he went to the, I believe he went to the Capitals. He went to the Islanders after that. So it's been some time since he's been with the Predators organization, but I think he has a vision and a mindset of what he wants his team to be like. And maybe they were going a different direction from what they had with Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane. Cause even then as at certain points, I think with even Ryan Johansson too, he wasn't quite living up to that contract, which forced them to trade him as well and eat some of that salary cap um, mm-hmm. with his contract. Um, I, I think that it definitely is, you know, in the best mindset because I, I know we know Barry Trotz has a great hockey mind behind the bench. And for him to have this, sort of presence from up top now instead of being behind the bench i think it's going to go well for the predators because of how well he knows the team the organization and the direction that he wants to seem to go so getting ryan o'reilly is definitely a great first step yeah well so the ryan o'reilly thing it didn't take me too long to make sense of it when it happened like literally 15 minutes into the opening of free agency uh it was announced all over the airwaves that ryan o'reilly was signing with the predators which was you know it didn't take me too long to make sense of it because you've got a predominantly very young and inexperienced uh ford core for the predators and so you want a guy like that to get in there and 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 teach that culture that we know ryan o'reilly has and trust is throwing around the word culture a lot so it makes sense. But let's move to another former Leaf uh, that also has been signed by the Predators in free agency. And it's one that I'm, I'm starting to come around on it, but I'm still having a hard time make sense of it. Maybe from someone like you, Peter, from the outside looking in, who covers the Leafs, maybe you can make sense for it for me. And that is Luke Shen, also signed by the Predators, a journeyman defenseman. He's played for a lot of teams, but he's been on winning teams. The guy led the league in hits this past year, and, and the Predators are no stranger to having guys who can lay out the hits. I don't think hits really get Predators fans going anymore because we've always been that type of team that can that can have plenty of guys out there who can lay the lumber out there. What else are we getting out of Luke Shen, and what what are your thoughts on him, and do you think that's even a good fit for the Predators? Yeah, the fit kind of really threw me by surprise, too, because he was definitely kind of like Ryan O'Reilly, one player that I thought that the Maple Leafs could try and bring back as well. And as you're showing right now, you know, he led the league in hits for a reason. They call him the human racer because he he has no problem laying the body. He has no problem, uh, you know, pushing opponents off the puck and making a big time hit on the open ice or along the boards. Um, there's always like, he has a great mindset of when to stand up and make a hit and he doesn't get out of position doing so that to me is very big where he doesn't put anyone at risk, uh, in terms of like an odd man rush going the other way, two on one, what have you, he's very defensively minded and he's very strong in regards to that. Um, in terms of like the actual contract itself, I, I still think it's, it's a bit too rich. I mean, obviously players yeah. look for a pay raise, 
Um, they want to get the best value. It's totally fine. But for me, it's 2.75 because mm-hmm. um, offenses dwindled significantly for Shen. And then again, he did have 21 points with the Vancouver Canucks, one goal with the Maple Leafs, and one assist in the playoffs. But he looks like he's probably going to probably be playing more minutes this time around than maybe um, – elsewhere as well i think there's something to look forward to that because if you look at their depth chart right now um computer well i i personally see him seized up a bit but if you have like you know roman yossi and ryan mcdonough on the left hand side you have barry and shen on the right so you could expect that luke shen is going to be playing probably top four minutes at this point i'm not sure i'm not so sure about that Mm -hmm. Peter, with me, I actually think he's going to be thrown in there as a third pairing defenseman. Personally, it could I could be wrong. Yeah. We there's a lot to sort out here. The Preds have a pretty good decor already before they signed Luke Shin. I didn't think that was this team's problem at all. Mm-hmm. It was literally not being able to score goals from your forward core, and they obviously dealt with a ton of injuries. But I'm not going to ever use that excuse. So. Um, the reason why Luke Shin confuses me is I don't know if there was a major need to get him because yeah. I see the top that your top four defensemen being definitely Roman Yossi, Ryan McDonough, and then you've got Tyson Berry, who very likely might be trade bait at this point. Definitely mm-hmm. at the 2024 deadline, they're going to dangle Tyson Berry out there most likely, and then and then you have Alexander Carrier, who is still very young and was just re-signed as an RFA. So. I don't see where how Luke Shen's going to take minutes away from a young Alexander Carrier that clearly the franchise wants to invest in and just went through the negotiations to resign him. So that's but I st- I love Luke Shen as a yeah. third pairing defenseman, but as you just said Peter and I totally agree, 2.75 for a third pairing defenseman is a little rich for my blood. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the reason why the, the Maple Leafs didn't resign him because if they were trying to resign him at around 1, 1. 1.1, 1. 1.2. I could totally understand that because that's fair, giving where he's going to be on the depth chart with the Maple Leafs. And even so with uh, the Blue Jackets as well, because there's also hope that Dante Fabro can still come around and be a strong pillar on the right side as mm-hmm. well in regards to Carrier as well. But yeah, I mean, similar to like, you know, Justin Hall as well, who left and got a big pay raise in Detroit. Very, very wary on that. And it was kind of a good thing the Maple Leafs let him walk because they didn't quite fit their plans of where the money wanted to be allocated in terms of that. And yeah, I, I you need to have balance. And I understand that. And I think the Predators have the, the fact that, you know, it's for three years. I think it's something that they can eat up for the time being where they know that they're going to be in the middle of the pack as well. I think that mindset is going to be very telling for them where this is like a transitional process where you need to fill it up mm-hmm. uh, roster spots with players that can get the job done. And Shen can definitely get the job done. Whether that's going to be offensively, that remains to be seen. But defensively, getting into the lanes, shot blocking, hitting, uh, breaking up plays, uh, defending against the rush, that's his MO. And I think that if you're able to do that where he, he does break up a play, Boris could swoop in and transition the other way. So I think that with the speed that the Predators have up front, someone like that to break up plays, I think is going to be a very good uh, balance uh, from the defense with Shen and even for the forwards or whoever uh, the forward line is going to be with that third pairing. To protect UC Soros. I mean, ultimately, you need guys who are going to go to battle and block shots, get in shot lanes, 
uh, do the things that Luke Shen is going to do for you as a as an experienced veteran. So that part of it, I totally understand. I'm just as we've already alluded to, it's very hard to figure out who the predators actually are. Mm-hmm. They are throwing us so many curveballs, and you have a new GM, you have a new head coach, and Andrew Burnett. Good luck figuring out the riddle that is the National Predators right now. We really just don't know. But it's going to make for some for some fun talk there coming into the season. All right, I want to move along here. This is uh, Peter Barracchini of the Sticks on the Six podcast covering the Maple Leafs, part of our Hockey Podcast Network family, joining for this bonus edition of Catfish on Ice episode 191. Want to shift to your franchise player, one of the best players in the NHL outside of Connor McDavid maybe. But just a it just a, such a fun maybe <laughs> such a fun player to watch. I mean, I love watch anytime Austin Matthews is on the ice, I'm gonna definitely watch it. I gotta ask you, and maybe I'm just completely overlooking this and you follow it way closely, more closely than I do, obviously. What's going on with Austin Matthews? Why does he not have a new deal yet? are you even sweating it? Is it not a big deal? It's a much ado about nothing. What does a new deal look like for him? What, what What's the sense around Austin Matthews in Toronto right now and, and getting that new deal figured out? Yeah, um, I'm not worried about the deal at all. I mean, everyone was like, you know, in up in arms that, oh, we're getting a free agency and Matthews and even William Nylander for that matter. So I've signed their contract, but they couldn't sign that contract anyways. Uh, that Right now is when their no movement clause kicks in but they couldn't sign a deal until July 1st. Now that we're past that, it seems like things are not necessarily picking up steam, but the comments that Brad Living are making are reassuring that maybe Austin Matthews is still going to stay in the fold. There's, I, I, I can't see him leaving otherwise. Um, he remains committed to this team, and even Frank Saravalli during the draft, I saw him say that Matthews is committed to doing whatever this team needs, even if it means taking less of a salary. Now, whether that's going to be around you know around the same 11 million dollars is because it Mm -hmm. seems like money is not the issue for him at this point anymore he i I think that mindset is he doesn't want to be the highest paid player in the league he wants to win and i think if you're still going to have matthews at around 11 maybe even around 12 million i think that's pretty ideal if you're the maple Leafs because if considering that he's a 60 goal scorer heart trophy mvp um you know, he he's definitely made his mark as one of the top players in this league, and you can't let him out of your sight because he is the franchise. He is the face of the team right now, and he's your important guy. I, I don't think that there is any concern at all with the Maple Leafs, especially in regards to Austin Matthews, because they know that he's a priority. Trey Living's gone and talked to him. They've had conversations with his rep um, and agent as well, so the lines of communication are still there. I don't think that it's going to be one where – um, we're looking at worst case scenario because I think he's going to be the one that's going to stay in the fold. Gotcha. Yeah, that would be just crazy wild if for some reason he was not brought back after next season to hit free agency. I don't see it happening mm-hmm. either, but you just never know, honestly. Yeah. You really don't ever know. And obviously the salary cap's expected to go up next season as well. It was a, mm-hmm. basically a flat cap this offseason, so it really put GMs in a very difficult predicament to figure out how to keep players they want to keep but as you just said peter there's no way you're letting austin matthews go a fran a, a one of the, definitely top two we can just say top two mm-hmm. in the league 
you know, we can have the argument till the cows come home about Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, but definitely you're not going to let Austin Matthews go. Like you just said, especially out of a team like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, that type of market cannot let it happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. It's just taking some time to figure out, but, um, uh, definitely very true there. So let's move on to the final question I got for you. This is uh, Peter Barracchini of the Six on the Six podcast. It's been a really great time getting introduced to our two big additions out of free agency and Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shin, who played for the Maple Leafs this past season. Talking the draft and how he covered that was amazing. All right. The Maple Leafs moved the needle for the league. I mean, there was all this talk about, are they ever going to get past the first round? I live down – so, Peter, I live, full disclosure, I live down here in Tampa Bay Lightning Country now. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. So, I'm surrounded by Lightning fans. Mm-hmm. And they were sweating it when they drew the Maple Leafs in the first round again. I got a lot, I've made a lot of good, close connections and friends who are diehard Lightning fans, and they were not feeling confident – going into that first round series rematch with, with the Maple Leafs. And so the Maple Leafs got that monkey off their shoulder. They got past the first round. It was, it was cool to see. I was, I was totally happy for your fans. Mm -hmm. Your fans deserve it. That it was cool to see those, but now I got to move on here because obviously you want to win Stanley cups in Toronto. It's not about getting past the first (laughs) round. So, I mean, it was cool to see. I was happy for the fan base, but obviously you want way more than that. So what's it looking like in 2023-24? It's it's is it it's still is it still Stanley Cup or bust? What what are your expectations for the team now that we're past free agency? What's it look like, man? Yeah, I think it's always still Stanley Cup or nothing. I mean, that that that's it, that's the end goal. And you can tell that, you know. I, they, they seemed elated and seemed very uh, confident after that Tampa Bay Lightning team where they got the monkey off their back. That was huge. And to do it against a team that knocked them out in the first round where they had a good chance to win that series as well. I mean, it meant everything. When John Tavares scored that goal, I was absolutely losing it because you know what? It's been a long time coming. The last time they won was in 2003, 2004. I was still in like, you know, elementary school at that point. So you can tell that that has been a long time. And um, yeah, I, I think right now they, they, what the Florida Panthers series loss really put a damper on things because they, the expectation was obviously the Maple Leafs are favorites going into that one, considering that uh, Florida was, underdogs against the Bruins underdogs against the Leafs and they went to the you know Stanley Cup final but that series really showed that there's still some work to be done because they had no answer for the physicality of the Florida Panthers Mm. like their neutral zone trap or not necessarily the trap but their ability to transition in the neutral zone and block everything and converge and transition to offense was the reason for their success getting in on the four check being heavy that was the Florida Panthers mentality during that series or throughout the playoffs um, Maple Leafs address that in free agency by bringing in guys like obviously not so much. I mean, Ryan Reeves, yes, but he's not quick. He's not fast, but he is there to patrol and keep everyone safe and make sure that no one's going to be pushed around on this team. You brought in Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi players that That's good Those play with that edge pickups. As um, you know, Bradshaw Living said they play with snots. You know, they play in your face. They're gritty. They're heavy on the attack and. 
those are the type of players that are meant, meant for playoff hockey. Tyler Bertuzzi rose to the occasion for the Boston Bruins, being Tyra Brad Marchand in the playoffs for the team lead in points. Max Domi had 13 and 19 for Dallas on route to the conference finals for them in the West. Um, they need that edge. They need that bite. They need that mentality that gets them further because they had some pieces, but it again, it didn't quite show in the playoffs, especially in their bottom six. But now you have pieces in your top six in your middle six and in the bottom part of your lineup right now that's going to bode well for this team because we've even seen that with the vegas golden knights where they're heavy on the puck they're quick that's the that's the type of game that's going to win you championships not being fancy not being cute at times like we saw in that panther series where we saw massive giveaways and blunders by by everybody by matthews by marner by all the top players you can't play like that in the playoffs. You got to be smart. You got to be quick, but you also got to be ready to anticipate anything. I think the Maple Leafs are now in a better spot because of those free agent acquisitions. Mm-hmm. A lot needs to happen. Still some work and some uh, pieces that you need to bring in, but it definitely is a good sign that the mentality is changing for Bradshaw living and this team because they need to be heavy. And that that's, what's going to make you successful in the playoffs. So the additions outweigh the subtractions. You know, you lose Michael Bunting, which was mm-hmm. uh, clearly a, a tough loss. But And then, of course, we already talked about Ryan O'Reilly being lost. But uh, the additions seem to outweigh the subtractions, is what you're saying. In a way, yeah, because I think... It's Colorado tough to say, is, obviously. It is. We need to see what happens during the regular season. But as of now... Bertuzzi seems like a better player and a more offensively talented player than Michael Bunting, who, mm. you know, he could, he, even in Detroit too, when he was uh, in a top six, he was, there were times where he was driving the line by his, by his, by himself. And Bunting kind of seemed like, you know, just a complimentary piece. Bertuzzi has the speed skill to match that of Matthews and Marner, but also the physicality that Bunting brought. I think he's an improvement over Bunting. I think Max Domi is, an improvement over Alexander Kerfoot, who again, may not hit, but he's not afraid to go in on the attack and back away from a challenge where he's always going to be digging in on the forecheck and setting up the attack. I think you do have good additions and I'm even going to throw in John Klingberg in there as well, where yeah, defensive game isn't that great, but this is a very mobile defenseman who has shown flashes of brilliance with his breakouts, his his ability to get shots on net. Um, I think that's a bigger improvement than that of what we saw with Justin Hall. So you do have some pieces that improve the team over the subtractions. But again, we need to see that during the regular season or when the season kicks off, because that's when everything's going to matter right then and there. I mean, I got to say on the surface from the outside looking in, it's pretty impressive that the Maple Leafs went through all losing so many players and they stayed on the fly and they made sure they added players to offset it. That's what a good front office does. Mm-hmm. And so the Maple Leafs are going to stick around. They're going to have a much different looking team, but they're still going to have a Stanley Cup caliber type of team. I, I totally feel that way for sure. Eastern Conference, I feel like, has is, is gotten way more stacked from top to bottom than the Western Conference has gotten. So obviously the path to the Stanley Cup is so difficult and so mm-hmm. ridiculous. So we will have to wait and see exactly how that works out. But at the same time, it's been awesome having you on. This has been Peter Barracchini of the Six on the Six podcast, fellow podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, It's been a blast, and we can't wait to have you on again sometime. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. It was great to uh, chat hockey with you. It's always a blast. Sign me up anytime for that. And everyone, if you could please go down below on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We totally appreciate that. It helps out a ton. We always put out live segments of our episodes before we release the episode on the podcast platform. So you get an early look at part of the episode. You get to comment on it. You get to tell us how you feel about these awesome topics we're talking about. It may be the NHL offseason. We might be going through a little bit of a downtime here now that the draft and free agency has passed, but the hockey talk never stops. There's always something to talk about. So uh, we will see you later on Catfish on Ice. We will round out episode 191, and we will see you later. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care. Episode 191 of Catfish on Ice is brought to you by DraftKings. New customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Blue Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, in West Virginia, gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net all games regulated by by the West Virginia Lottery please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charles Town Races in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 8887-897777 or visit ccpg.org 21 and up in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction cdraftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. And we are rolling right along here in episode 191 of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton, as we continue to travel through the barren wasteland of the NHL offseason. The draft is in the rearview mirror. Early first day of NHL free agency is behind us. All the major signings have passed, but there are still some big-time free agents still hanging around. And we are rolling along here in episode 191 because we have a few more things to get get to. First off, thanks so much to the Sticks on the Six podcast for joining us at the beginning of this episode to give us the lowdown on two big free agency signings by the Nashville Predators in Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shin. Got some good insight on those two former Maple Leafs players and what they're going to bring to the Predators. We talked about 
uh, some other things as well. It's on our YouTube channel right now that you can go watch that video if you are a YouTube subscriber and viewer of this current video. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for sticking with us here in episode 191 with your host, Chad Minton. Here's what we got for you to round out episode 191. The Predators, again, have shown us that they're not done signing players. We got to talk about Denis Garyanov has been signed by the Predators. We're about to dive into that. That just got announced a couple hours ago before this recording. So I got to break that down, what that means for the lineup. It's suddenly a really crowded locker room here with a bunch of veterans. I know Garyanov is a young player still, 26 years old, but... It's just another player to add competition to the locker room. Price training camp is going to be a crazy roller coaster ride to see who ends up where in the lineup. So, yeah, we got to break that down a little bit. Want to talk about the fallout of the Matt Duchesne buyout. And he's always been such a polarizing player. A lot of fans didn't like him, not because he's a bad dude, but because of the contract which I always defended him and said it's not his fault that front office signed him for that deal. Not his fault, but he did not ever live up to that, obviously. But now he plays for the Dallas Stars. There's some sour grapes out there for the Predators fans to see him play for a division rival, a team that's probably going to inch him a little bit closer to that coveted first Stanley Cup as a player. And he's in a much better situation, I think, as far as uh, teams that are closer to the Stanley Cup, obviously, than what the Predators are. So we got to break that down. Threw out a tweet that blew up on Twitter. Did not see it coming. A lot of people responded to it. Got some pushback on it. I was pretty angry when I saw the comments from Matt Duchesne. And then context came out. And got to talk about that. Also, he put out a really thoughtful and really well-worded Instagram post that we'll share as well. Also, something else I came across on Twitter recently in this uh, barren wasteland of the hockey Twitter landscape right now as we're in this dead part of the offseason. Players are taking their time off as they've earned. You know, you see all this NHL Summer League talk here like the NBA does. No way. That is not possible. Maybe you let the prospects play in a... They already do that, basically, when training camp starts. You get the prospects showcase. Just don't think it's a good idea to ask these guys to play even more hockey. Such a a brutal sport, physically tolling sport. Can't expect them to do some type of a summer league right now. That just is not possible. As much as we miss hockey right now, that's not possible. So, yeah, we're in that part of the offseason where we miss hockey a lot. But with that said, there's some still some good stuff out there. So, saw a really good tweet from, from a Twitter poster by the name of Mike Bartner. Calls himself a hockey content creator on Twitter. Put out a really good list that I got to break down of the most desirable NHL teams right now for a free agent to sign with in the next four to six years. Really thoughtful list, really good list. Going to share that and give my opinions on that as well. That's how we're going to 
break down the rest of episode 191 here. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for watching this part of episode 191 on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button below if you could. Hit a comment down there and let us know how we're doing. We appreciate you always watching and commenting, and the, the subscribes really help out a ton as well. All right, so Dennis Garyanov is now been signed by the Predators for an $850,000 deal for one year. Seems pretty minor, doesn't it? And on the surface, it is a pretty minor deal. But you know what? I think it's just another inclination here that Barry Trotz is not willing to just sit around and wait for the process to play out in terms of letting a rebuild and letting the young core develop and maybe treat 2023-24 like a trial and error type of season, maybe miss the playoffs, maybe let the growing pains develop and really start prepping for three to four years down the road to be a Stanley Cup contender. Barry Trotz has made it very clear and that he's not going to do that. And he's made that even more clear with another signing. Younger player, not a 30-plus-year-old player, so that's that's good at least. But Dennis Garyanov didn't see this coming necessarily here, but I haven't seen anything that Barry Trotz has done this offseason really coming. This guy just keeps on – he's just keeping us on the edge of, uh, edge of our seats with what he's going to do next as, as a first – year NHL general manager. I mean, first head coach of this franchise, and he keeps us on the edge of our seats not knowing what he's going to do next. He's taking the whole NHL by notice here with what he's doing. And so let's break down this uh let's break down this contract signing he, here. We'll throw it on the screen here, $850,000 deal, 1 year, and really what this tells me is that this team is actually has no excuses to not compete for the playoffs all of a sudden with adding all of these veterans through free agency, which wasn't entirely sure that was what was going to happen this offseason, but that's turned out to be what the case here. So you get Dennis Garyanov, who is the former Dallas star and also played a bit with the Montreal Canadiens this past season, had a little bit of a down season but he's still such a young player. Once put up a five-point game in the playoffs for the Dallas Stars uh, in the bubble against the Calgary Flames. Uh, four goals and an assist in that game six against the Calgary Flames, if you remember that. Really young, great talent. This guy has a great motor. He's got a really high upside, so very much different than the other free agency signings that the Predators have had so far this offseason. Garyanov is basically Trotz is taking a flyer out on Garyanov for a one-year deal for very minimum. 850k, that's nothing. Drop in the pan with the cap space that the Predators have had and still have now. So you look at this, and I think it's a risk worth taking. Obviously, I don't think it's a very high risk. It's going to add more competition to training camp. You got to think that Garyanov's definitely going to be in the starting lineup on opening night. But just reading the tea leaves here, the first player I think about is Philip Tomasino. 
what does this mean for Philip Tomasino's spot in the lineup? Because before the Garyanov signing today, I thought for sure that Tomasino was at least going to start the year off in the starting lineup somewhere. Wasn't sure where necessarily, but I thought he'd he'd have a spot on one of the wings in the depth chart. But now, starting to feel like he's going to start the season off with the Milwaukee Admirals. Maybe he gets a spot on the fourth line. Not sure. It's kind of weird. That's the first player I think about after this um, Dennis Garyanov signing here for a very minimal deal, a good find. I kind of compare it to back in the good old days when you'd go to Walmart and dig through the DVD bin and he and he climbed to the very bottom of this discount DVD bin and you try to find yourself a gem. Perhaps that's what Garyanov can be for the Predators here. I think it's a really good signing, but again, I'm wondering where is Philip Tomasino going to fit after this? Because he is entering the final year of his entry-level contract. So it feels like a prove-it year for Philip Tomasino with the National Predators here. And how many opportunities is he going to get? He got caught up late last season and played pretty well. Actually increased his point-per-game average this past season compared to his rookie season where he played over 70 games. So I don't know what's going on with Tomasino and his future outlook with the Predators. Maybe he ends up being a trade piece eventually at the trade deadline, depending on where the Predators are at in 2024 when that time comes. I don't know, but it's just weird that Trotz keeps adding all these veterans to the lineup, even though Garyanov is still a very young player at 26. He keeps adding all these players to their locker room, and it's creating more competition for the youth. I do think that you have your your young part of your core that's very safe, and they're not going anywhere. They're going to be in the lineup even after the Garyanov signing. That's obviously Cody Glass. That's obviously Tommy Novak. Yuso Parsonen feels safe. And Luke Evangelista is a dead set ringer to start with the Predators in the starting lineup this coming up season. So then that kind of makes me zero in on Philip Tomasino. Are you going to play him on the fourth line, really? Or and get minimal ice time? Or are you going to start him back in Milwaukee again and see if he can really take off this time? And then injuries can happen, things can happen, poor play can happen. And then you call him up, you give him a chance. You see how the team's responding and playing in the standings, obviously. And then you would think that even if he starts the season in Milwaukee, Tomasino will get another call-up to the NHL at some point next season, and then he's really got to prove it. That's really what I get out of this Dennis Garyanov edition here that's happened today as the Predators make even more signings and just really make us wonder what is Trotz's motives here, what well, seems it's starting to be pretty crystal clear that he he expects his team to make the playoffs again. And he wants to take on the role of what a Florida Panthers team did this past postseason, where even if this team is a bubble playoff team, once again, let's just get in the playoffs and let's let's try to ride a hot UC Soros again. Let's see if if changing the culture of the locker room can translate to postseason success. That's got to be the thinking right now because you have really 
change the whole dynamic of this team. It's going to be a completely different-looking team for 2023-24 for the National Predators. We're going to see a lot of the same young players that played down the stretch, but, man, the veteran core of this team has been completely altered. If you go back to the trade deadline in March to this point now, so just four months of just a four-month time span, this t- this roster has done a complete overhaul and shift. So, how does that translate to playoff success? If this team can make it to the playoffs, that's what we have to ask ourselves. That's what we really have to ask ourselves. Gary Onov's a nice addition for 850k. Why not take a flyer on him? Why not? The guy plays. I love his upside. I really love the upside of Gary Onoff. He had three seasons in a row where he hovered around a 30-point season with Dallas. He, I mean, he's a he's coming from the Montreal Canadiens, but he played for Dallas for most of his season. 12th overall pick in 2015 by Dallas. And let's look at this. This is what really stands out to me, and this is why I say Gary Onoff has a high upside and this is a bargain addition for the Predators that can end up really being a home run. This is what this this is what I love about this is you have home run potential for a very low risk um, proposition for one year. Let's see what happens. Let's see what he can do for us for, for this one season. But you look at his playoff performance. He's only been in the playoffs. He's played thirty two games in his playoff career. 2019-20, what I just referenced when he had that five-point game against Calgary. The season in the bubble with the COVID and in Edmonton, the Stars went to the Stanley Cup final that year and lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Gary Onoff played 27 games in that playoff, in that playoff run for the Dallas Stars. Nine goals, eight assists. Obviously, it was a little bit bloated by that one game where he had five points, but still 17 points in those 27 playoff games, 54 shots on goal. So the guy was aggressive. 96 hits in that playoff run in those 27 games. The guy plays a physical edge to him. And again, 26 years old. This can end up being a really great home run pickup for the Predators, for a very, very cheap deal to see what he can do. So I love it. I love the competition. But again, it makes me really wonder what is going to happen with Philip Tomasino. So there's that. Another addition for the Predators in free agency. Dennis Garyanov, one-year, $850,000 deal. There you have it with that. Let's move along here in episode 191 of Catfish on Ice, brought to you by DraftKings promo code. THPN and part of the Hockey Podcast Network with your host, Chad Minton. Going to share, we're going to move on now to the fallout of Matt Duchesne being bought out. And first things first, I want to share his Instagram post here before we get to what really got people a little upset about some of his comments he made to the Dallas Stars media. And I'll even admit that I got a little peeved about what he said, but context does matter. And I am always willing to take a step back and think about things. 
But here it is on the screen here for our YouTube viewers. Also, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm going to read it. This was an Instagram post from Matt Duchesne on his on his IG, uh, basically bidding farewell to Nashville. He says, Nashville, I don't even know where to start. Just thank you. It was the experience of a lifetime being a Pred, and I can't thank my teammates, the fans, the staff, just everyone enough for everything. We created bonds and relationships that will last a lifetime. And Nashville will always be our home. I could easily keep going for paragraphs here, but I'll leave it at that. Just thank you, and we love you. God works in mysterious ways, and the greater plan is always one that keeps you guessing and on your toes. My family and I couldn't be more grateful to be joining the Dallas Stars. We are so excited for this next chapter. Awesome. Very, very well written, very well said. And um, look, no one has ever, ever questioned how great of a person Matt Duchesne is, how and how much he wanted to play in Nashville and how much he wanted to win in Nashville. But the comments that got everyone in a stir got me in a stir when I first read them, and it was a soundbite, but still kind of was salt in the wound, and it didn't help that he's going to the Dallas Stars, was basically saying, I can't wait for the opportunity to win. I haven't had that many opportunities in my career. That got me a little, when I first read that, it got me upset. It did because he has had opportunities and he hasn't stepped up in some of those opportunities. Now, uh, some people push back on me and say, well, he wasn't referring to that in the interview. It was just about winning. He's never been past the second round. I get all that. And it makes sense now in context. It still did not sit with me right when I saw it. But now taking a step back, letting things process, the buyout situation totally shook me. It did. It came out of nowhere. Like it, I did not see it coming. I saw him as the elder statesman of the locker room. And I, I really actually appreciated what he did this past season through all the adversity and through all the injuries and having to call all these young players up and and the team comes three points short of tying the Jets in the standings to try to make the playoffs. All of these things happen. Duchesne ends up having that really, really bizarre, ugly injury where he almost lost a finger. So he ends up not finishing the season either. But he played a good chunk of that season after all the other players had been traded away and more injuries were piling up. Philip Forsberg was out of the lineup since February. All these things happened. And Duchesne, for the most part, was sticking around, put up a 56-point season, was trying to do what he could. The biggest thing with Duchesne was, for the most part, he did not play up to his desired level in the playoffs. He had that one game-winning goal in double overtime to beat the Hurricanes. But other than that, he was pretty much invisible in the playoffs for the Predators in his time he got not even a point-per-game player in, in his playoff time with the Predators. So I think just the comments rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed others the wrong way. I put the tweet out really fresh when I read the soundbite. And context does matter. And you know, Robbie Stanley of 102.5 The Game came out and responded to the tweet and basically set the context right and said that it was just, you know, it was just being taken out of proportion. He didn't mean it that way, and, and all these other things. So I have taken a step back and realized what he was saying. 
still came off the wrong way to me. But in the end, we all move on here. He was the one that was bought out. He wasn't the one that forced his way out of Nashville. So it's a very different situation than a player who demanded a trade and wanted out and wanted wanted out really badly. That's not what happened with Matt Duchesne. So we can move on here. It sucks seeing him play for the Dallas Stars, especially for three million a year when we were paying him eight million a year, and we're still going to get dead cat money out of it. But it is what it is. It's a business ultimately. And I do wish him the best. And it was a really, really thoughtful and nice gesture to put that Instagram post out there about Nashville and about the Preds fans. So I appreciate that from Matt Duchesne. Uh, he, he, we've always known he's a solid guy. We, that's never been a question here. He has rubbed a lot of fan bases the wrong way and a lot of all of his stops he's made in the NHL, including Colorado and Columbus and Ottawa. But now he's going to his fifth NHL team. I wish him nothing the best. I mean, he's going to a really great situation for himself right now. So we'll see what happens with that. And now we get a Dallas star, not on the same level, but we get Dennis Karyanov. So it's going to be some fun back and forth between Preds and Stars fans as we get one of their former players. They get one of our former players, actually two of our former players, because they also have Craig Smith now on that team. So wish you the best, Matt Duchesne, for sure. No hard feelings at all. Finally, want to share... A really good list that I came across on Twitter. And we're going to put it on the screen right now. This is going to round out episode 191 of Catfish on Ice. It's been an awesome episode with the Sticks on the Six podcast joining us at the beginning on an interview talking about Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shin joining the Predators of Free Agency. We've broken down the, the, the today's news of Dennis Garyanov joining the Predators, another addition to this roster, more depth for the Fords, and more competition for the young players of this roster, most notably for me, Philip Tomasino. But let's move on here and round out episode 191 with this list I came across on Twitter of the most desirable teams for a free agent to sign four to six years with based on the roster, future, and city. So those are your dynamics there. There's your uh, rules for this list that got compiled. And the Predators are not on there in the top 10. Shouldn't surprise you too much. This is from Mike Bartner on Twitter, who is a hockey content creator. Really awesome list from him. So appreciate the list that we can dissect and talk about. So, yeah, he's got the Devils as number one most desirable teams right now to join for a free agent in the next four to six years based on roster, their future, and the city. Honestly, can't argue with that too much. I mean, the Devils are right there as the next team up to try to win a Stanley Cup, maybe multiple Stanley Cups. So you really can't argue with that. They got the history. They've got the young Solid prospect pool. Maybe one of the best prospect pools in the NHL right now. Can't argue with that at all. Dallas Stars come in at number two on, on, on this list. That's where Matt Duchesne's going. I don't know if I'd put them that high. I don't know if I'd put them ahead of some of these other teams I'm about to read off, but there's, they should definitely be in the top ten. 
So you got Dallas Stars. Number three is the Carolina Hurricanes on this list. Colorado Avalanche, number four. Oilers, number five. Sabres, number six. A little surprised to see the Sabres that high. But again, pretty, pretty agreeable list here. I, I can't push back too much on this list. The Rangers at number seven. Panthers, number eight. Maple Leafs, number nine. And the Wild, number 10. I would argue maybe the Kings are more desirable than the Wild, but then you throw out City and you throw out Future and all these things. I think the Kings have a brighter future than the Wild do. But if you look at City, maybe there's guys who don't want to be in L.A. If you look at the fan bases and the market, the, the Minnesota Wild have some of the most diehard hockey fans in the entire world. So I could see arguments to both of that. But where do the Predators fit in all this? So they're not top 10, and I'm not going to push back on all that. I don't think they should be top 10. But are they that undesirable now for future NHL stars, future NHL star free agents going into next offseason and beyond? I think, unfortunately, the Predators have to start building back up that, that desirable feature that they built with that 2017 Cup run. Their window was open for a very short amount of time, and it slammed shut very quickly for a lot of reasons, including the former GM, David Poyle, making some really questionable long-term decisions. So you have that. But I still think the National Predators are a desirable team and a desirable city to play in for future free agents. Just ask Ryan O'Reilly right now. So, although I don't think the Predators should be top 10 in terms of most desirable teams, I don't think they're too far out of the top 10. I still think they're a desirable team to play for. Here's the problem. For your, for your NHL free agents who really desperately want a Stanley Cup and they need to win now, the Predators are not going to be that desirable team for, for a couple years probably, at least. But the Predators do have something going for them, at least for the next two years, in terms of free agents wanting to play here. And that's UC Soros. UC Soros is the type of goaltender that can carry a team to a Stanley Cup if you're in and he gets hot at the right time, like we've seen countless other times in past playoffs. That alone can draw big-time free agents to your market and to your team. So the UC Soros factor plays into the Predators be, still being a desirable team. The city of Nashville and their fans have proven time and time again, just proved it again with the NHL draft hosting it, that it's one of the best fan bases out there. So free agents are not going to have a problem with going and play, playing for the Nashville Predators over the fan base and the lack of fans or whatever. No, that's never going to be a problem. I think the the thing working against Nashville right now in terms of being desirable, as this list puts out there, is it's a work in progress. Got a lot of young players that have to prove themselves in the next couple of years before we can really start thinking about the Predators being a deep playoff type of team. All you got is UC Soros. You're waiting to see if Philip Forsberg can come back ready to go and live up to the contract he got. There's things, there's all these moving parts and fluid situations with the Predators right now that might push, steer away big time free agents from wanting to sign with the Predators. 
It's going to take a couple years for the Predators to prove it, for this young core to develop more and grow up more and really start producing more and, and, and prove it to all of us that they are um, going to, to develop into everyday top six types of players. That's when this everything will come full circle and the Predators will be a desirable team to play for again. But as of now... They're definitely not top 10. They're maybe close. I would put them in the middle in terms of most desirable teams. But they're definitely, they've lost some of that desire and some of that magic that they built from 2017 into 2018 when they won the President's Trophy. That has definitely cooled off. They are not that desirable market like they were then. It's going to take time. You got a new head coach coming in, Andrew Burnett. He's going to have to build that up again. You got a new GM with Barry Trotz, who is already showing us that he is quickly going to try to build this roster back up and flip it. He's flipping it quick. He's not going through the long-term five-year plan here. He's trying to rebuild it quickly, very quickly. He's expediting the process. So this can all change. This whole desirable thing can literally change going into the next offseason. It can change that quick for the National Predators. This next season is really going to either make Barry Trotz look like a like a just magnificent GM first year, just how did he figure this out so quickly, to, wow, Trotz needs some time here. He really went into this too aggressive, bit off more than he could chew. Judging by how that goes, the Predators could be, could become a very, very desirable team to play for in the 2024 offseason. So that's when the Matt Duchesne buyout money really kicks in, though. So I'm not sure what the cap situation is going to be like for the Predators next offseason. So with that said, looking way ahead, that's how I feel about that list. I don't have a big problem with the list. I don't have a problem with the New Jersey Devils being number one as the most desirable destination for future NHL stars future NHL free agents. I think that makes sense. Nothing nothing I can push back on with that. So, thank you so much for listening to the rest of episode 191 of Catfish and Ice and watching it right now on our YouTube channel. Please hit subscribe below. This is your host, Chad Minton. We will see you very soon. We have a really, really fun project we're working on right now for episode 192 we're going to give you some really good off-season content get the brain juices flowing here we're going to do a two-part series in episode 192 and episode 193 a countdown if you will we will reveal that at a later date but until then we will see you next week for that debut that project we're working on until then thank you so much everybody hope you have a great rest of the week this has been Catfish and Ice Podcast, episode 191, with your host, Chad Minton. Take care, everybody.